Hi, I'm George Tekmachov here with Steve the Big Cat, small car. Anderson and Aaron Lucky, the president of Easton Technical Products. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Hey, we're uh, we're outside of the Easton Archery Center here in Salt Lake City, where we are looking at the beautiful. Uh, it's Rudy the Roadster. That's the official name. That's what I hear. Okay. And Go speed uh, racer. Rudy the Roadster. You know, I own a, a red deer named Ruby. Yeah, uh, she's got a boyfriend now too. So I'm about to have red deer uh, calf someday. Wow. Yeah. Okay. This weekend, uh, Rudy the Roadster is going to be um, at the um, Western Nationals of NASP. Yep. Which is an Downtown exciting opportunity. Sandy Salt Lake City. So. Yeah. At the Mountain America um, I think it's the Convention Southtown Center. Expo Center. Southtown yep. Expo Center. And um, the, the car will be on display. And you'll have your chance to come out and uh, have your picture taken with it. And, yeah. And, it's uh, a pretty cool, unique uh, ride. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> if you can fit in it, it's uh, really something. Yeah. And, and we're about to find out, folks, as we, uh, as we record this live, Steve is trying to figure out his strategy for getting into the car. Jim. Folks, I don't know what to do. What do you think, Aaron? Do you think he can do it? I don't know. We might need to grease him up a little. Several minutes later. So, so Steve, you, you managed to get in and out of the vehicle. Yeah. It wasn't pretty, but you did do it. Would well, you have been able to actually drive, you think? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I could drive it if I ducked my head down real low. Not safely, but you might not I could see drive where it. You're yeah. Well, yeah. the good news is the roof comes off. Ah, now we can drive. Yes. <laughs> it's a good thing the fire department is right over here, too, because the jaws of life were yeah. almost a necessity. Yeah, coming out of the car, Steve looked uncomfortable, shall we say. It involved a reverse crab walk. It was. It was a yeah. full-on reverse crab walk, and you'll be able to see that on the Easton Target Archery Facebook page. But yeah, we're here in the Salt Lake City sunshine. Steve successfully managed to get out of Rudy the Roadster without the use of the jaws of life. And wearing Crocs, no less. Wearing Crocs. Yeah. I thought about this this morning. I thought, well, if I have the Crocs on and I need to lose an inch of height real quick, the you know, at least, or just be able to slip in a little easier... Yeah, Crocs are easy to remove. This is not a car you get into. This is kind of a car you put on. Yeah, it it really is. I mean, it it uh, feels like a bodysuit in a way. But Man and machine are truly one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty excited to rally it. We're going to rally it, right? Are we going to rally it, Aaron? <laughs> I'm about to leave, um, so I'm not sure what you boys are up to. <laughs> as, we, uh, as we've just popped the trunk, the boot... On the uh, the car, this is a modified Lotus Elise. That's how these were done. They were they were called um, gliders, which is a car with no no powertrain. When they were delivered to Tesla in Fremont, California, they only built about 500 of these. This is number 300 and something out of those 500, and it was delivered to uh, Jim Easton uh, in 2008, and um, it was one of the very first cars with this kind of capability. Um, in terms of both speed and distance, right? This thing will go about 200 miles on one charge. Well, hey, I got in the car. We should see if Jay can fit in the trunk. <laughs> Jay probably, no, no, Jay can't fit in the trunk. You cannot not, fit a body in this trunk. This is a terrible car for murders. This is not a good mafia car, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's not, I wouldn't call it practical, but, boy, is it fun, you know? It's, uh, and, and it gets out of its own way, too, doesn't it, Er? Yeah, yeah, it uh, it moves for what it is. It's it's a fun little car to drive. Uh, not so much to get in and out of, but uh, once you're in, it's a hoot. 
And this weekend, it'll be on display at the uh, Southtown Expo Center in Sandy, Utah, for all of you headed to the Western National NASP event. So we're looking forward to seeing thousands of kids have their chance to pose for a photo with, with Rudy here. NASP has been growing, Aaron, just about every year. Uh, you know, obviously the pandemic had an impact. Sure. Sure. But it is still on a growth trajectory from what we're seeing, isn't That's it? That's my understanding. And, There's you a know, trick to it. I don't know how to close it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but my understanding is it is growing. I, I believe it's past pre-pandemic levels in terms of their national tournament and uh, overall participation. So um, they're doing some great things over there at NASP. It's an exciting program, and, and they're sure fun to be a part of, and they're doing wonders for archery. And, you know, I used to be a critic of the idea that NASP didn't do a lot to bring archers into target archery, but I was wrong. Because just this past weekend, Gabriel Sasai of the United States of America with Brady Ellison took the bronze medal in the mixed team event in Antalya, Turkey at the World Cup. And guess where she started? I'm going to take a guess. It was NASP. <laughs> yep. Her first bow was a Genesis bow. Her first arrow was an Easton Genesis arrow. And now she's on the world stage. I think that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's exciting to see. And uh, yeah, sure. Encourage everybody that uh, can to get out and uh, see what it's all about. So in the history of the podcast, we've we've had some decisions that were questionable, Steve, haven't we? I mean, you know, oh look, there is air conditioning. Never been fired though. So far. But here's the thing, right? We've been entrusted by Greg with a priceless artifact of the company. This Roadster is a special thing. It really commemorates 100 years of Easton. And uh, is the fan working? Yeah, I got it on. I got it adjusted. Wow, all it's right. It's hitting us in the head. All right, get good. a little more juice. Here's the thing. This thing is a testimony. I'm just gonna start over. So Steve, you managed to get in the car. Twice. Twice now. Driver's side and passenger side. Passenger side and driver's side. And now we are going to uh, Go grab some lunch. Yes. I don't think we can go through the drive-thru. I don't. Our, you won't be able to reach I up. I won't be able to reach up. Yeah, it's got some speed. It's got that Tesla get up. <laughs> I love it. I love the Tesla get up. It's, Teslas are the only cars I've driven that are as fast as my motorcycles. They're, they're really quick, like a... Quick off the line because yeah. it's 100% torque. Yeah. To get a launch like that on my motorcycle requires a perfect launch. And Whereas, to get it in another, in an in a internal combustion engine car requires about a $200,000 vehicle. Yeah. Where are we going? I don't care. Wherever you want. Well, we can go to uh, Del Taco. Let's hit Del Taco. So try not to roll it. It's almost impossible to do that. It's got this fast start. You know what else has a fast start? Mike Schlosser at this World Cup season. Boy, has he gotten off to a great start. You know, he uh, came in with momentum. He had a good season last season, of course, a great season. Took his seventh win at the World Cup in Antalya. And I'll tell you, I really feel like um, he shows the most consistency over the last four or five years, generally speaking of anybody. Well, and it was obvious they had some difficult conditions that second half of qualification yeah it was obvious if you looked at everyone's score but mike's mike's score pretty similar right right 
All right, let's uh, let me pull up Facebook and look up our listener questions. Okay, first question comes from Emmett Amit Ross. I'm not sure exactly how that's pronounced. Have to look at the country of origin. Uh-huh. Don't have time. Uh, how important with compounds is the stiffness of the spine? Is it possible to have arrows too stiff? If so, what range is best to stay under? What effects will you see if your arrows are too stiff? Is there an easy way to tell if your arrows are too stiff or too weak? Also, don't forget us bare bows. Thanks to your hospitality in Camp Minden. Okay, I must have met him there in Louisiana. Him or her. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember. I remember this. So what's your opinion? Uh, I would say with stiff arrows, what you'll see is that they just don't group optimally, especially downrange. With weak arrows, you'll often find they're very inconsistent. Like if you're shooting them through paper, you'll get inconsistent tears. Um, people will, will still think that a left tear means weak and a right tear means stiff with compound, and that is not the case. It means you've got a bow that's driving the knock to the left or driving the knock to the right. Uh, and you can try to cover that up with arrow spine, but it's really not a way to do it. You'd be giving yourself like a false tune or putting a Band-Aid on it. So in terms of saying, oh, this arrow is too stiff, there's, there's really not a way to determine that unless you have another factor to judge off of, which would be a weaker arrow. Right. Uh, a lot of people want to jump straight to it and say, this is the perfect spine. I've got what I need. I don't need to buy any other arrows and test them. And you can always get pretty darn close with the plethora of arrow spine programs that exist today or just by using a lot of the tribal knowledge that people will willingly share for a particular bow, especially. Certain bows always favor a weaker or stiffer or maybe an optimal spine. So that's something to figure out first and foremost. You're going to be pretty darn good. I mean, the best way to do everything, if you're trying to decide between, you know, a couple different spine ranges, the best way is to test them all. But that's not always the most economical way. Speaking of tribal knowledge, I remember back in 97, D. Wild at the World Indoor in Istanbul made the statement to me that it doesn't matter how stiff the arrow is, is as long as it's stiff. I think tribal knowledge has shifted. I think it is important, personally, based on the feedback and things that I've seen, that since that time we've come around to understand that there is an optimal range and you can be too stiff. Yeah, I think at 20 yards you can get away with about anything. So if he's saying that indoors, you know, maybe that has the context of that. But certainly, when you get into the 50-meter game with compound... That's where you see the difference. Yeah, you'll see a difference. And you'll, you will absolutely see a difference in if you have the ability to test one spine size to another. we got a massive... Uh, what do you call this here? Like a gutter. It's like a, a dip. A, a yeah, mid-street a gutter. This will take a carbon right off this Tesla. Nope, uneventful. All good. Um, here's a question from Chris Gorman. Do you think the 30 seconds per arrow rule saved any time at Antalya? And do you think anyone's score dropped as a result? So I talked to Dean Alberga, I talked to Tom Dillon, and I talked to Chris Wells. And the general consensus from everybody was Dean's observation was there were a few shooters who had um, pushed the limits of the timer but most of the shooters adapted almost instantly. And even those shooters who were pushing the timer 
generally were shooters who had, this had been their first world event that Dean had seen them at. So presumably their experience level wasn't the same. And even they were able to adapt pretty quickly. Um, Tom told me that World Archery is actually going to put out a report on the shooter feedback as they do from all their major events. Okay, a report. A report that's always done at World Cup events um, from the archers. And so they're going to look at it and see what kind of feedback they get. But so far, the feedback seems to be no impact on performance for the shooters, which is good news. I think there's, a, I mean, there's always going to be some impact. People are... Oh, they might not want to admit to it, too. Yeah, they might go, hey, I had no issue getting my arrows off. Well, you might have been a little bit more tired shooting your last few arrows without having, you know, being able to take an extra 10, 20 seconds in between them. But I think most people, like you say, will adapt fairly quickly to that. And, you know, when I practiced it at home, it didn't seem that hard to stay within the, the three minutes. Um, you get a really windy day and, yeah, it's going to be a problem, but... What it probably means is you're shooting a crappy shot sooner than you otherwise would, because uh, let's face it, on a really windy day, you're usually making pretty crappy shots. You know, yeah. you're having to fight through something anyway, so it just has a little, little less time between it. Um, you know, we did see a few people have. I saw a couple misses on the board, or at least one. I saw a miss on the board at uh, Parker drive-through. That's Park. Yep. Oh, right there where around right there yeah um i did see a miss on the board in in one category so you know i i assume either they got caught by the wind and fired a miss or they just didn't make it in the time frame i i don't know but you know gonna be some effect i just don't think it's as drastic as people thought nor is the time saving as drastic true overall i would say that the overall event is going to be about the same length well steve we've had a successful lunch at del taco I, I just got something that I haven't had in two years, which was uh, chicken soft taco. How about you? Yeah, I had the uh, chicken taco del carbone. And if I'd known there was such a thing as a chicken taco del carbone, I probably would have done the same. But I haven't had a, I haven't had a meal at del taco in like two years, and so I didn't realize it added that to the menu. Del taco is a big destination for the marketing team at Easton. We're, yeah, we're here probably more often than we should be, but. And it's directly under the flight path for Salt Lake International Airport. I mean, like, directly. Yeah, we're going to have... See, we're, we're probably... I don't see anything right now, but three, four minutes, we'll have something come over the top. I'll, I'll say this. I think that uh, this might be the first and last podcast ever about archery from a Tesla. Anyhow. Anyhow. Back to the World Cup. Yeah, World Cup was... was um, pretty successful um you know the turnout one of the things tom dealing was excited about as he told us in the last podcast was the turnout you know the turnout was really good and uh, it seems to me korea is also going to be really good from everything i'm seeing so far yeah i'm interested to see what these tournaments look like for the rest of the year because if you try to book a flight right now it's ridiculous so i don't know i don't know if organizations will look at it and go yeah, screw it. We're not going. This flight, you know, we thought it was going to be twelve hundred bucks, and now it's two grand. I don't know if they're going to not go because of that, but I mean, certainly some of that has made me want to reconsider some of my attendance. Well, for sure, we're going to see a lot of participation from the Asian countries, which we did not see as many of. I'll tell you what impressed me though, and I kind of called this in advance: Chinese Taipei. 
they impressed me with their performances, uh, both compound and recurve. Yeah, they didn't they didn't win uh, everything that they wanted to, but uh, it looks to me like they have been pushing, especially on the compound side. I, I gotta admit, I didn't see I didn't see any of like the team results or any of that. I was you know I was at another event, so I saw the the individual stuff come through, and, and that was about all I caught. One of the expectations that a lot of people had was that we would see Meta on top of the podium. Uh, as things turned out, he ended up fourth, found himself in a bronze medal match with Brady Ellison. Pretty exciting match, went pretty well. And uh, our friend Ryan Tyak took the silver medal. You know, some, some lady at the Del Taco drive-through got to watch that. Yeah, I think she enjoyed watching you uh, get into the car. She uh, she got more than she bargained for. Yeah, I, I noticed. Oh man, do you think this is? our least pointed pro, uh, podcast ever. We haven't really been in a direction. Steve, let me tell you one thing that we've learned over the years, over 180 podcast episodes. What are our most popular podcasts? About? The worst ones. The or, wor- or the least on point ones. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, um, a leaf blower is our number one rated podcast in history. What should we... A podcast about a leaf blower. What should we call this one? Which way am I going? That way? Yeah, I go straight. And, and then, then that way? Follow, follow that box truck. Gotcha. Um, okay, so back on topic. You were telling me that you were pretty impressed with the the full team lineup, all of them, of Chinese Taipei yeah. in Antalya. Yeah. I didn't get to see them. So I, you know, I, I got to say, I didn't really see any team stuff. I saw individual matches, saw the results there. Uh, didn't didn't watch or see any of the team results. So did they did they win something or did they just have a nice showing? Uh, both. They they won uh, mixed medal and they had a good showing in the compound. I don't know if anything's changed, like with their coaching or. And uh, we'll wrap up the podcast when we get back to the office. I think this is a better plan. Yeah, a little bit of peace and quiet now. Peace and, and quiet here. Is stretch the, out. Is this official? This is officially the fishbowl here at Easton Technical Products. That's what we used to call it, right? The fishbowl. Yeah, because it's got windows all around. It used to be. And every once in a while, people drop food. Yeah. What else happened here? I want to say it used to be different, but no, it's no, pretty much the same I, as I, I remember. It is, yeah. The difference is that back in the day, back in the '80s and the '90s and into the aughts, the walls in here were brick. That's, I think I remember that. Mm-hmm. The walls were brick, know. but now they're a attractive, uh, different kind of skim coat that was put on top of the brick. And um, while brick is nice, it, it's a bit rustic. This is a little more modern and easy to the eye. Brick is making a comeback. Yeah. You'll see exposed brick walls inside places, yeah. and it, it is making a comeback. I don't know. I don't know that we have talked about much archery related stuff here this might be our our worst archery podcast ever shall we try to pull it out from the dregs of non-archery discussion <sighs> let's get something out of this medalist by event for antalya 2022 of course mike schlusser from netherlands taking first place adrian gontier and jp bolsch taking second and third for the compound women it was ella gibson from gbr she seems to be on a strong trajectory after her momentum starting in vegas last year or earlier this year i should say and then uh Alejandra Uschiano from Colombia, and we had uh, Lisel Yatma from Estonia. Um, first archer from Estonia to qualify first at a World Cup was uh, was Lisel. Compound men's teams. Um, 
Were you surprised to see India there? I, I, I think I remember you thinking India was going to be strong at this event. I don't remember. So you I don't know what happened. What happened? Abhishek Virma and Aman Saini and Rajat Chauhan from India took the gold. And they beat France to do it. Yeah, so they figured something out in team round because I think in qualification they were all pretty far off pace. Yeah. I think the wind got them. Yeah. And then the Netherlands team, including Mike Schlusser, Syl Potter, and Steph Willems from Netherlands, took the bronze. The compound women's teams, um, these are basically a mix of experience and new shooters for the compound women. From Germany, we had uh, Julia Bonka and Franziska Goffel and Carolyn Lansfeind, who we've seen at a number of World Cup events. We've seen Carolyn. They beat Turkey, and I didn't expect that on Turkish home soil. Yeah, Turkey's got a very good... Very good women's team. They have a very good men's team, too. Yeah, for sure. Very good women's team the last few years. They've been in a lot of a lot of medal matches. Yeah, anchored by Yassim Bostan, who's yeah. been really doing well in the last four years or so. Germany, I don't think, has been. I don't remember them in, in, in a consistent finals appearance, you know. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. And this, this team has some... Some newer members as well, too. Right. So congrats to them. Really cool. Absolutely. Estonia taking third. For the mixed teams, uh, Colombia, Sarah Lopez and Daniel Munoz, and Aljas Brink of Slovenia, not Slovakia, and Amanda Milernich of Croatia, and Domagoc Budin uh, taking the bronze medal there. So uh, pretty good. To good see. Yeah, yeah. Good to see all around. Recurve men, Miguel Alvarino, winner of the 20, I believe, 16. World Cup uh, event, uh, grand final winner back in that year. He beat Ryan Tyak. Uh, I believe it was a straight set win, but Ryan was very strong going up against um, Brady Ellison. Excuse me, uh, going up against Metagadzos. Meat. Meat. And in the bronze medal match, Brady Ellison defeated Metagadzos. So it was Miguel and Ryan and Brady. Recurve women. Brioni Pittman seems to have stepped into the opportunity left by the retirement of Naomi Folkard. And uh, Laura Van Winkle of Netherlands. Katarina Bauer of Germany. I didn't expect Katarina. I expected uh, one of her teammates maybe to make it to the podium. But there's Katarina Bauer from Germany taking the bronze medal. For the Recurve men's teams, Chinese Taipei, looking pretty strong. It was Su Yu Yang, Tang Chi Chun, Wen Chun Heng, as Chinese Taipei clearly is getting ready for the Asian Championship, uh, Asian Games later this year, Steve. Your uh, silver medalist was Mauro Nespoli, along with David Pasqualucci and Alessandro Paoli of Italy. Pasqualucci's back. Pasqualucci's back. I haven't seen him since maybe Reed. Yeah. Strong shooting from Netherlands, uh, bronze medal for Gies Bruxma and Rick Vanderven and Steve Weiler. So Steve is off to a, a good start this season, it seems to me. Very experienced team for them. Yeah, really is. Very experienced. Recurve women's team, Penny Healy, Brioni Pittman, and Jaspreet Sangu of Great Britain taking the gold, Steve. And uh, that's kind of interesting. Richard Priestman has left the GBR coaching program. They've got some new structure in place there. So huh, be immediate to success, too. It's always cool when you get a new person in and immediate success. Yeah, unless it was attributable to the work that Richard had already done. I mean, it's kind of an interesting question. I guess we'll see what happens there. Hard to say. Right. Katarina Bauer, Michelle Kropen, and Charlene Schwartz of Germany taking the silver. And we've got uh, the team of Chinese Taipei 
taking bronze. So again, Chinese Taipei showing their work as paying off at the world level. Your mixed teams had uh, Miss Ridhi of India, along with Taryn Deep Ray taking the gold. Brioni and Alex Wise of GBR. And then, kind of exciting, uh, Brady Ellison and Gabrielle Sasai, an up-and-coming 16-year-old, second international tournament ever for Gabrielle. And she was excited, uh, and she only got nervous after, which is just when you want it. <laughs> I believe her first tournament would have been World Championships. Right. So not really super international when you're going to Yankton, South Dakota. Right. As an American, I don't look at that as an international tournament. So I think we can, we can safely say showing up in Turkey on the shores of the Mediterranean. She got her first real taste of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So congratulations, Gabrielle. That was a well-won bronze medal with Brady Ellison. I didn't get a good look at the finals field, but it, it looked like it was in a new location. So it was on the beach, but it was in a slightly different location on the beach. Unfortunately, you really couldn't tell while watching the television coverage because there were walls all around and the TV camera angles were with their back to the beach. But the, it was on the beach, as it turns out. The coolest... Just a different spot. We shot... So we shot at Coney Alti Beach for years, right? And right. that was... I don't know. You're, you're like 50 yards off the water in a... It's a rocky beach. It's not it's a, a sandy beach. Yeah, for sure. It's like perfectly washed pebbles. Yeah. Um, anyhow. But it's got that iconic giant Turkish flag, flag... Up on that cliffs. cliff. Yeah. And it's uh, below the Rixos Hotel, and it's yeah. just a great We would walk picturesque. down the cliff from the hotel. There's yeah. a little pathway. Yeah. Anyhow, the coolest, though, was one year we shot right... We shot down the road, I don't know, a few miles in a different location, different beach, I guess. But the final stage was literally three or four meters from the water. Right. The water is coming up almost to the carpet. Right. It was really cool. That was, that was the coolest one we've been on. Well, we're getting ready for Korea now. And I'm, I'm personally excited to be uh, back helping with the World Cup circuit. I know you're excited to be representing Team USA. For the last go. Yeah, you think? <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah, this will be my last World Cup, I we'll believe. See. We'll see. The, the only way it's not is if I, like, win or something and end up in another one. But I, I anticipate this will be my last World Cup. I say we'll see. <laughs> because we've been there, done that before with you talking about stuff like that. I remember two years ago saying you saying that you probably weren't going to be in World Cup uh, competition anymore, and here you are. Yeah, that was true. That was true. But I don't – I might have said I'm not doing World Cups anymore, but I still have the intent of competing in 50 meters. I don't intend to compete at 50 meters beyond this year anymore. Not, not with enough participation to qualify for a team. Maybe one or two events a year tops. So, All right. Well, in the meantime, uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in action in Guangzhou, Korea, along with the rest of the United States team. Jimmy Lutz will be there. Nope. I thought Jimmy Lutz was going to be there. No. Vaccine stuff. Uh, I'm going to edit this. <laughs> yeah. It'll be me, Braden, and Steve Marsh. Oh, very good. So that'll be very interesting to uh, see how that develops. Yeah. A new dynamic um, with some developments having taken place. Uh, we're going to see a little bit of a shakeup for the U.S. men's team. Linda will be there. Yeah. And I believe that that will be a great opportunity for both of you to shine. So, Steve, I'm looking forward to seeing you in action on the field of play. I am looking forward to it as well. It'll be possibly my last hurrah at a World Cup and you'll be the announcer, so that'll be nice. Yeah. Well, I'll understand what's being said. It'll be my privilege. 